Hello, and welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. Welcome back, everybody, to Start By Listening. It's the friendly therapist, Jennifer. And I'm here today with my co-host and co-worker, Marcy. And I'm coming to you live from my home um, here in Kentucky. And um, it's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. There's a beautiful breeze. And you might hear my dog bark. And uh, if so, I'll try to mute myself. But just know she is looking out the window as well. And she is watching the squirrels and the birds. And her little nervous system is definitely in a sympathetic mode because she's excited to see all of that. So uh, welcome, Marcy. I'm so glad to have you back today. And yeah, so girl, what are we going to be talking about today? Sex education. (laughs) And what in the world is that? (laughs) Holy hell. Yes. What the hell is that? I mean, both of us are in our 40s. And I can only imagine that sex education has changed dramatically in the last 30 to 40 years. <laughs> I think it's changed dramatically in the last um, like 10, 15 years. Oh my gosh. You know, when I was thinking of different topics for the podcast for this season and I was like, you yeah, know, this is important. What is sex education? Like, whose job is it? Like, who's supposed to teach people? Um, And then the song, I think it's from Salt and Peppa came to mind. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. And I don't know why, but that song came out, I think when I was middle school or beginning of high school, you know, and boy, was that a revolutionary song. Um, and how funny it was because in middle school, I don't know, it was either late elementary or middle school when that came out and, you know, I'm singing it and, and, and no clue what it's really talking about because I was fairly sheltered and, uh, I didn't know half the stuff that kids today knew at that point in time. Um, so it's just, it's funny referencing that song as you know, we were singing it and didn't know a whole lot about it. So yeah, ditto. Uh I was pretty sheltered growing up and I went to Catholic schools from grades, kindergarten through 12th grade. So, Uh, but you know, a funny story before we get into sex ed. So a little backstory, my mom uh, was a nurse and she worked for a pediatrician here in town. And I think I was around eight years old, nine years old. And I remember mom calling me to the kitchen table and my dad was sitting there and I was like, oh, this something's weird, right? That's not a norm thing back then. And she had this book on the table and she said, sit down. We're going to talk about sex. I was like, huh? uh sex and um I would go to a babysitter's house after school every day because my dad was a teacher he taught welding at a what was then Davis County Tech or something and I had learned about sex at the babysitter's house from one of her um older kids and they had said sex or where babies come from that Babies happen when moms and dads go to sleep in bed together and then they have a baby. Like that was the only thing I knew, like that, done. So mom had this book on the table and it was from the seventies probably. And it had pictures of body parts 
it talked about the menstrual cycle. It talked about puberty. It talked about penises, vaginas, breasts. Um, it talked about sexual intercourse, as in what I think people would consider penis going into a vagina. That was what they termed sexual intercourse in this book, okay? Um, and all this knowledge. And at the end, she said, do you have any questions for your dad or I? And I remember looking at both of them and my dad looked so uncomfortable. <laughs> he didn't say a word. Like the whole time, my mom just did all this talking and showed me all these pictures. And the only question I had is, do I have to get a period? Because I really don't want that. And she said, yes. You know, all women who are born with um, uteruses, born with ovaries, they have a period when they reach a certain age and it's the shedding of the endometrial lining, which is the nice soft space where a fertilized egg can implant and grow. I mean, she went like all into it, right? Again, I was eight or nine. So that was my intro into sex education. And you know, Marcy, how much I love to share knowledge, right? <laughs> yeah, I you're only imagine. You're like, oh shit, I, I know where <laughs> this is going. So mom and dad never told me I couldn't talk about it. They never said this is private, like none of that. It was just mm -hmm. education. So I went to school the next day. And again, I went to Catholic schools. <laughs> I was on the playground and I was educating everybody about sex, body parts, <laughs> names, what sexual intercourse is, how babies get made, when the sperm comes out of the man's penis after ejaculation, swims up the vaginal canal, goes through the cervix, enters the uterus, looks for an egg to fertilize. <laughs> I just laugh. I cannot imagine the calls that the teacher had to make to parents that day. They were educated. Um, so that evening, my mother got a phone call from the <laughs> principal whose name was Sister Mary Damien. She was an Ursuline nun. She has long since been deceased. Saying how many parents had called her very <laughs> upset, very unhappy that I had gone and talked about sex and I had no right to uh, go and talk about sex. And the parents had told Sister Mary Damien that my mother had no right to educate me about that at this age. Mm. And my mom clapped back <laughs> Good. and she said, um, absolutely. She needs to know about sex. She needs to know about body parts. She needs to know about puberty because it's getting ready to happen. And um, other kids need to know about this too, because it's an important part of human development. Exactly. Uh, and um I remember all of that. And it's funny to hear my mom tell the story. You know, she said, oh my gosh, she goes for months. She got dirty looks, um, you know, from parents. Um, so that was my first indoctrination and education about sex ed. It came from my mom who was in the healthcare field. And the next time I learned about sex education was in high school. Um, in my health education class in, for PE, it was coach Ivy. Um, he was the PE teacher and boy, was he uncomfortable. He was probably in his thirties at that time. Um, and I was in a class with a bunch of football players and it did not go over well, as you can imagine. And he like, just did the basic, like you already know about this, just read it in your book kind of, you know, mm -hmm. 
And then later on in high school, um, they brought in some kind of educational program about sexually transmitted diseases, which now looking back, that's pretty forward thinking for a high, Catholic high school to do that. And they actually showed pictures of what these sexual transmitted diseases looked wow. like on body parts. And then we had to go to lunch after. That was not fun. Um, and then in your senior year at high school, and I have no idea how the Catholic schools do it now, we got the religious class called morality. Mm. So at that point in time, the Catholic education system decided that we're only going to teach morality when you're a senior and getting ready to graduate. So yeah, that is my history of learning about sex ed. What's your history? So I grew up um, elementary and middle school with my grandmother. And so she was in her 70s, late 60s, 70s during that time. Um, and I remember in middle school, at some point, I had heard something and went home and asked, and I was told that that was dirty and shameful and to not ever bring it up again. Um, so, you know, for me, um, there was a lot of religious um, overtones with it and um, a lot of shame, which I think was pretty common back then and as and really somewhat still now um with the morality thing that um i mean i think it gets pushed a lot um so that was what my first kind of go around with it um until i moved in with my mom when i was a freshman in high school and um my mom is like me and she will tell you like it is. And she doesn't sugarcoat nothing. <laughs> so I got, uh, she answered all my questions very honestly and um, openly and um, very bluntly. So um, she was very, very good about, you know, helping me understand what it all and also she took it a step further and you know the thing about you know having sex and part of my sex education was the relationship part of it and you know our bodies may say as a teenager or whenever our bodies may say we're ready mm -hmm. but she took on the aspect of my emotional stability and my mental capacity and you know how you've got to be ready for mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. now there was still you know the element of um guilt slash shame of you know you better not get pregnant kind of thing if you were to embark on that um, yeah but yeah so that was mine so it went from I'm not telling you anything because we don't talk about this to um pretty much could ask anything and would be told that you know, you bring up an interesting point about the, the pregnancy talk. So, you know, yours was guilt, shame. Mine was fear of God. It was, if you decide to have sex and if you get pregnant, just know that you're going to be on your own. You're going to raise the baby yourself. You're not going to be having fun anymore. You're not going to be able to go to um, parties. You're not going to be able to go away to college. You're not going to be able to um, be with your friends because you will be taking care of a baby. And let me tell you that fear, it works. <laughs> it worked. I mean, for me, like it was just me. It was, and I can't speak for anybody else, but because for me, freedom was, and still is a very important part of my life. And the thought of not leaving Owensboro to go away to college and not having that opportunity I was like, oh, hell no, nothing, nothing in life is more important than the freedom of getting the hell out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. 
And so that for me worked like I, it was beautiful. <laughs> I had that fear as well. Um, you know, <laughs> whereas if it was something I ever thought about, I knew if I ever made that choice to, um, you know, participate in sex that, um, and I got pregnant, I wouldn't have come home. I mean, I already knew I had it, you know, if that was the choice I made, I was just not, and I resulted in a pregnancy, I wouldn't have come home. Not sure what I really thought I was going to do, but I I wouldn't have been there. (laughs) So here's the thing though, like, and this is how I say that it's so different now. Mm -hmm. So, and, and because I have two girls, um, one's helped me 17 and one is um, almost 12. And so both we've had the discussion with both of them, but the approach I took was much different, you know, and we started education with them, you know, when you're learning body parts, that's when their sex education started. You know, this is a vagina, this is a penis, you know, these are your parts. This is your breast. Um, and so we started that very early. Um, and then we're able to kind of build through it. Um, we both, my husband and I both, have tried to make sure that we have a very open relationship that, you know, no question is, you're never going to be shamed for asking a question. Um, we'll give you the facts and help you understand. So that's kind of how we've approached it. He was, he, he, like you got a book, but his mom gave him a book and said, here you go. And that's all he got was the book. There was no discussion of it. Um, so we, we try very hard to answer all questions, even the questions that might be very uncomfortable to ask uh, to answer sometimes. Um, I can only imagine. We have answered those. So, um, yeah, I just don't. And my thing is, sex is not something that we need to put shame on. Okay. Sex is a natural act. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with the act of sex if it's consenting. Um, um, So I've always wanted to try to not make it that there was no shame around it. Mm-hmm. You know? That's important. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, I feel like that may have had an impact on my life when I was like, you know, as a kid, I'm like asking my grandmother, you don't talk about that. That's bad. That's dirty. That's whatever. Well, really, no, none of the, it's not. It's, you know, I think that's just the, uh, the generation she was in and her beliefs and passing them on. Um, and then, you know, Southern and super religious, throw that in there and lots of guilt and shame. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and as I was thinking about this podcast, um, you know, what the heck is sex education? And, you know, for the longest time I was thinking sex education was just literally look what my mom did, you know, and here's the book. Yeah, that you have a book and um, explaining the workings, the body parts, um, the inner workings of um, how sex actually, the mechanics, that's what I'm trying to say, the mechanics and how that it works. Um, But I think it's so much more than that. And, you know, I do give my mom some praise that she incorporated relationship and being healthy mentally and emotionally to make those decisions. But I also think that we also need to look at other things. You know, I think part of sex education is a discussion about pornography. You know, pornography is rampant in our society. And if a kid sees this, in their years growing up and that that's what they think sex is like um they're wrong and they're getting this they're i mean basically they're watching a movie that's being portrayed by actors 
And, you know, that's just not what's going to happen in real life. And so I think it gives a lot of people misguided images um, and it makes them more confused even. Oh, gosh, yes, because in pornography, there is this portrayal of the way women should look, of the way men should look. And a portrayal of the way sex should look. Um, and that's and not say, the case. And I would say take that one step further in how men and women should be treated during sex. Yes, because um, I went to a conference when I first started working with New Beginnings. And there was um, a psychologist whose entire research was on pornography and sex addictions. And they talked about how the more violent the pornography that somebody watches, the more violent it needs to be for them to be able to have uh, a sexual release, AKA orgasm. Um, and I was like, wow, that's really fascinating. And so no wonder there's this addiction in that part of the brain that violence gets equated with a uh, very intense feelings and sex. Um, but yeah, I think you are so correct in taking it back to, there's so many more things that encompass um, sex education relationships. Um, the mental health aspect, like these are things that of course back in our generation, you know, I didn't talk about. Um, you it's know, a miracle we turned out okay. <laughs> God love us. I mean, you know, God love us. Um, I even looked up like, what is sex education? Cause I haven't done that in forever on Google. And, um, oh goodness, that's my dog. Uh, <laughs> hold on. I'm going to, Marcy, I'm gonna let you take over while I mute myself for a second. Okay. So, um, Jennifer and I were talking before this started and the first thing that popped up was, um, Planned Parenthood and it went into a lot of things that, you know, we previously may not have automatically thought of when we looked at um sex education um you know uh, talking about human development um relationships that we've already covered um personal skills which i think is really kind of interesting and that i think that goes into the relationship so that's being able to communicate and negotiate and make a decision as to consenting partners um, that are going to engage in sex, um, sexual health. So that's talking about, you know, diseases. You know, are you going to use contraception, um, pregnancy? Um, all that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then society and culture, like, gender roles, diversity, what you see in the media. And I was sharing with um, Jennifer before we got started was, and, and I apologize if not watched this, but I know my child has, my oldest. Um, there's a show on Netflix called Sex Education. Um, so it's, I mean, it's in the media. I mean, you see it in all kinds of shows that you watch or, <clears throat> you know, books that you read, you know, back oh, when yeah. we were growing up, like that just made me think, like, I remember in middle school, I read uh, Flowers in the Attic. Mm -hmm. And as someone who at that time had just been told, don't ever talk about sex, and that's bad. Like, you want to talk about some guilt when you've read that? <laughs> so, oh, yeah, you know, that's, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And so, Naming it, normalizing it, I think is what we do first. And that, it, and with that, that it has to be consensual. And I think another important piece in all those comments, you, uh, uh, not comments, all of those um, thoughts are beautiful and, and on point, especially the culture beliefs um, for different groups within culture and those religious beliefs too, because for many people that does play a factor in, right? Um, 
I think it's also important to know that you give the amount of information and the type of information based on maybe what your kiddo is asking and where they are developmentally. Mm-hmm. You know, looking back, um, yes, I was a very intelligent eight-year-old, nine-year-old, right? Um, but words like ejaculation, um, you know, my mom never asked me, well, what might you call that? Or what have you heard that called? You know, mm-hmm. um, so it's, especially in working with um adults and kids who have been sexually abused. I like to start off when we're doing education. What do you call things? You know, that's Mm -hmm. so important. And so um, then I like to provide like the medical term. So like, um, especially if uh, we all know that the level of sexual abuse and the intensity of sexual abuse um, is different for different survivors, right? Not everybody Mm-hmm. Um, has been raped, right, um, to that level um, in sexual abuse. And not everybody um, has that maybe level of understanding of sexual abuse. Maybe for someone, the sexual abuse they experienced was masturbation. Mm-hmm. And maybe their perpetrator forced them to masturbate them, right, or mm-hmm. themselves. So, you know, you, it's really, you have to figure throughout the course of therapy, all of that out. And, you know, it's like, so asking the kiddo, like I'm going to use that example about masturbation. Well, you know, when they talk about what it it was sticky, what it felt like, what it looked like and all this, what do you call that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I will honestly say I have yet to have a kid say, oh, that's called sperm. That's called ejaculate. I've never had a kid say that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've really never had an adult say that either. You know, it's like, oh, um, that's what we call cum mm-hmm. or spunk, you know, other whatever. I'm like, okay, those are interesting words. And I said, and you get to call it whatever you want. And mm-hmm. also know that in the medical world, that is called sperm and what's actually inside the white stuff. And talk about that and or ejaculate. Um, and of course, that would be those words. I, I might just say sperm for a kid and explain it's like a little fish it has a little tail mm-hmm. on it and it's looking for the egg you know but for a teenager I probably would go into more depth right because mm-hmm. and of course developmentally where that teenager is and emotionally there's so many nuances yep you know and I think so many adults are really scared to talk about sex and sex ed because they don't know themselves I think you're right I mean if the majority of folks our age were given a book which they may or may not have really looked at and then just kind of figure it out for their own. I mean, it makes sense why you would be nervous to have those open lines. And also as a parent, it makes you vulnerable going to your kid and talking about this because you could get asked anything. Um, and you know, how are you going to ask that, answer that, you know? No, talk about boundaries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, and that's something that when you decide that it's time for, to have a bigger discussion with your children, what are you going to disclose and what are you not going to disclose? Mm-hmm. And I think all of that goes along with what is the age of your kid? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And it's okay to say, you know, that's a really private question, and that's one I'm not comfortable answering. Mm-hmm. And boy, in that moment, you're teaching boundaries, and you're teaching my kiddos too. I can ask questions, but maybe that doesn't mean I'm going to get an answer. When um, we had the discussion with our oldest um, at the time, um, we had been going to church, and there were several. Um, ladies in the church that were pregnant at the time and so when we had this discussion with her it was like that you could see the wheels in her head turning and all of a sudden she goes oh my gosh they all had sex because they're pregnant so it was like for her and then you know normalizing that it's like yes that's how things work and 
um, it was just, it, it, you just never know what they're going to come out with and tell you. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> um, when I was, I'm going to say two or three, and I have a vague recollection. This is more of a story though that I've heard, but I remember there used to be um, a restaurant here in Owensboro called, I think it's called Western Sizzler, which then became the Ponderosa and mm-hmm. has since become different restaurants in that building. But when I was a kid, I used to, my term for a penis, okay, was a ponytail. Don't know why. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't even tell you why, right? I just, but um, we were standing in line at Ponderosa and I was about three maybe four again age I don't remember and I was sitting in line with my parents and this man in front of me had on very tight fitting pants (laughs) and I just said out loud wow mom look at how big that ponytail is that man's (laughs) penis is big (laughs) she said love your mom (laughs) And she said, my dad turned around and walked out. Like, didn't say the word. <laughs> this other man turned around, I guess, that had the big penis uh, showing through his pants. Um, again, he was not an exhibitionist. You know, he, he had clothes on. And just looked at my mother and looked at me. And my mom said, I, I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> Imagine. So, because I had learned body parts earlier. You know, mm-hmm. penis, vagina, breasts. Um, but I didn't get the sex education till later. But yeah, isn't that funny? Yep. And I too, um, similar to your oldest, um, mom had said when I had learned about that babies are in, I'm going to use air quotes, tummies. Mm-hmm. I went up to, I would go up to women and I would say, oh, you have a baby in there because... <laughs> You're pregnant, and that's where babies come from. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so whose job is it to give sex education? Whose job is it to talk about body parts, the actual acts of sex themselves, to talk about healthy relationships, to talk about sexually transmitted diseases, to talk about cultures, to talk about religious beliefs, to talk about uh, values, to talk about um contraception like whose job is that to talk about abstinence because you know there are some some people who believe in abstinence you know um and that's their belief system like oh my god whose job is that ideally um I think it's parents job but we also don't live in a world where everybody has parents You know, they may be in the foster care system or they may be raised by grandparents. So I think we as society need to do a better job of labeling things correctly Mm -hmm. um, to start that foundation. and to begin to have those conversations. Um, and it's not, I can understand that people are like, I don't want to have this discussion. But, you know, what if a kid doesn't have a good home life and you're their favorite teacher and they, you're their trusted person? You know, my hope is, is that you would be willing to have that open conversation mm-hmm. with them and help provide them with some true education. Because otherwise, I think we both know it's going to be learned from pornography Mm -hmm. or misinformation from friends Mm -hmm. or getting into situations that, you know, that happen and, um, you know, maybe even being made fun of that you don't know these things. And so then you have to go search on the internet. And mm-hmm. we all know if you look on the internet, there's no telling what you're going to find. Oh, yeah. Especially, especially if you're in a, if 
you don't have like a Wi-Fi filter to filter out things with your Wi-Fi, you know? Yeah. And kids are curious. Yeah. They want to know, especially um, if a kid has been sexually abused, you know, they now have information that's really adult in nature and their mm -hmm. brains aren't fully developed. They're not adult brains. Right. And it's trying to make sense. And it's, it's, it's a curiosity, you know, like, do all penises look like this, right? Do all breasts look like this? Do all vaginas look like this? And that's just a natural curiosity. And I think, you know, when a child has experienced sexual abuse and they have that curiosity, I think parents get scared to answer those things. Mm -hmm. Like, you've been hurt by someone and I don't want to add to it or, you know, and I think knowledge can be part of their healing process mm -hmm. to help them understand. You know, I think a big thing is, is when you have been sexually abused, you also, your body responds in the way that it should a lot of the times, but then you're left with, oh my gosh, just what does this mean? Does this mean that, you know, I really liked it, even though I don't think I did. Um, and I, I think it's just the more we can educate kids, the better. I mean, I think that's part of, you know, we do some prevention things in the schools. And I think that's part of it is just this as much education as we can give them. Um, and society needs to do a better job of learning, uh, being aware of what we're putting out there for children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think adults too, you know, so many adults grew up with misinformation. So many adults um, didn't receive knowledge or if they did, it was through... Um, other people who maybe they didn't have a good understanding either. And it just keeps perpetuating and perpetuating and perpetuating. Um, you know, and I think that is so important in doing the work and having those conversations with parents. And, you know, I do that. Um, I do that in many different ways. Like first off, on the psychosocial, it talks about masturbation and what does your child know about masturbation? And then mm -hmm. ask, what are your beliefs about masturbation? Mm -hmm. And having those conversations with the parents to say, you know, because um, therapy should be healing. And it also, I think, needs to be culturally sensitive and it needs to mm -hmm. be tailored to that particular person, to that particular family, right? Um, and so understanding what are the thoughts and, and feelings about masturbation. And then also providing that gentle education to parents too, that it's a normal, healthy exploration mm -hmm. of one's own body and one's own sexuality. And um, it's pleasurable and it can be used as a coping skill and, or it can be used in unhealthy and in healthy and you know having all of those conversations mm -hmm. and then talking about so when this comes up because it does come up in therapy with kids especially you know how should I proceed because I want to be respectful mom dad grandma mm -hmm. grandpa aunt uncle of your values and your um your family and I also want your child to have you know true knowledge and it's been really interesting um, because many times I've had parents that have said, you know, I don't know if they know about it. Um, we don't talk about it. That's something that I don't think is okay to do. But then they say, um, this is not a normal situation. My kid has been sexually abused. And I think they need to have all the knowledge that they can to get better. And um, so I'm okay with you talking about it and I'm okay with you saying that it's okay. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, great. So then we have, 
kid has conversations and then we talk about how might this be to talk about this with mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, da, 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 da. And of course it's like, uh, you know, oh, I can't, that's just gross or that's weird, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, normal. That is weird, isn't it? Like, it feels kind of like awkward, right? Like, um, and then we talk about, well, how, how amazing would it be to be able to have those open and honest conversations and to be able to ask questions? And if uh, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, remember if they don't know an answer, or then to say, you know what? I don't really know. Let's figure this out together. You know, mm-hmm. now I'm not saying that works every time, but um, I think when parents reach out, they want what's best for their kids. And there's also mm-hmm. a thought of maybe I don't have all the information either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> this is pie in the sky, but wouldn't it be nice, like, if at some point in your education, you had to take a, like a class on life and sex education, including all the aspects we've talked about were discussed. I just wonder if our kids had that broad of a view and understanding, if that would make some changes with society and maybe make an impact on some reducing some sexual violence. I, you know, I'm very much all about prevention and education. And um, I think if, and I'm going to use the United States because that's where we're located and I can't speak on any other culture um, of a different country, right? Because I don't have that knowledge. Mm-hmm. But I think if the United States was more open and more accepting of talking about things like sex and sex ed I think we would have better relationships with our bodies we would have better relationships in general with other Mm -hmm. people and I think we would have less shame and stigma attached to to pleasure um Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in thinking about whose job is it for sex ed, I'm kind of circling back because it just popped into my brain. I agree. I think it's a parent's responsibility or a guardian's responsibility. But I also think it is a responsibility for our education system. Um, I think our education system needs to be a lot more broad in its understanding of what is education. Mm -hmm. Um, Education is not just math and science in reading um, and history. Education is life skills. Education is how to communicate, how to have tough conversations, how to manage our feelings. Um, Education is about understanding you do get to say no to something you don't want, Mm -hmm. boundaries. Um, I think if our education was, was, different and more open as well I think we would have less uptightedness mm-hmm. <laughs> and more embracing um, for people as being true to themselves um, and embracing their humanity mm-hmm. that's my kind of pie in the sky yeah I agree with you um, I think we would all be much better off if we could all take those kinds of lessons and learn them. Mm-hmm. Um, but sadly, I don't know that it will get to happen because I think our, our educators, God bless them, um, you know, they are so overwhelmed with mm-hmm. trying to get what they need to get. And it's changing so quickly every day, you know, yeah, the amount of trauma they're seeing in schools from these kids now. So overwhelming too, because they're teaching to an expectation in order to receive funding. And I don't think that's yeah. the true essence of education, you know? Very well put. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think well, here in the United States, I think we've missed a lot of boats. <laughs> um, and also I think there's a, 
part within the medical community um, that I think also needs to take ownership of um, sex education. And perhaps they do, you know, I don't have children. So I have no idea if within pediatricians visits and yearly physicals and stuff, if doctors and nurses and med techs educate about, um, let's talk about how to keep your penis healthy and safe. Let's talk about how to keep your breasts healthy and safe, your vagina healthy and safe. And mm -hmm. like, just like, um, hygiene of our body and our body parts. Like I have, I'll be honest, I don't know if that occurs in the, um, medical world, but I think just our hygiene in general, our body hygiene, that's an important part of our, of sex education and health. It's like, mm -hmm. how do you properly take care of and clean your penis? Mm -hmm. How do you properly take care of and clean your bottom? Well, and you know, that's an excellent point because, you know, previous experience from other places that I've worked at, I've worked with children who were never taught how to clean themselves. Mm -hmm. They had no idea. And, you know, it's, you know, at that point in time, it became our responsibility to step in while we had that child in our, with us to help them learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just from a sexual health and reproduction, especially for, for females and female genitalia and anatomy, after urinating, AKA peeing, it is really important to wipe from the front of your genitals where your urethra is within the vulva, which is right above your vagina area, right? To wipe from front to back toward the bottom. Because if we wipe in the reverse, if we start at the back, and wipe up toward and pass over the vagina and to the urethra where the urine comes out of. Well, now we're introducing bacteria into mm -hmm. our urethra and that can cause bladder infections that can cause um, UTIs and um, that can lead to kidney infection if it's not caught. And when I say caught, like not observed, not understood, what are the signs and symptoms of a kidney infection? What are the signs and symptoms of a bladder infection? Or what are the signs and symptoms of a UTI? So mm -hmm. that in itself, that's, that is so important, right? Yeah. Just that simple thing. Um, for a penis, a circumcised penis versus an uncircumcised penis. And so you know, there might even be some viewers, or not viewers, listeners who might be, what the heck is that? So a circumcised penis is when the foreskin has been removed from the top of the penis. Um, and an uncircumcised penis is when that foreskin has not been removed. And so if that skin, that, that piece of really thin and it's full of sensitive nerve endings, if it is still there, then you have to teach the child how to gently pull that back, right? And clean out around the top of the penis. There's so much that goes into it. And it's like, you know, it's, I would think that would be a little overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a lot. it is. So hygiene of our, of our sexual reproductive health organs is just so important. Mm -hmm. yeah. And again, goes back to, if you don't have parents, guardians that are able to teach you that, then whose responsibility is it? And I have taught people how to wipe front to back um, by using a doll, right? Mm -hmm. And taking toilet paper and showing, you start in the front and you swipe back, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I have, and I'm sure people have, heard in the hallway, if, if the little kid needs to go to the bathroom, you know, I'll say, um, if you need help, we'll go get so-and-so who's ever there, right, to help you to wipe mm -hmm. or to take care of yourself and clean up. 
And if you don't need help, that's great. And I'll just say, and wipe. If you're going to pee, wipe front to back. And if you're going to poop too, poop. it is the same. Wipe the front to the back, but it's in a different location, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, wash your hands, flush the, flush the toilet and wash your hands really, really good to get all the germs off. I'm sure people have heard me in the hallway saying that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's important because um, sometimes kids don't have that knowledge. And now mm-hmm. I've given that to them and now they have a, an ability to remember. Um, and sometimes um, kids um, do have the knowledge and they'll say, yeah, I got it. I'm like, okay, great. And we're good, you know. So, yeah. Wow. Woo, who thought we'd be talking about wiping? you just never know (laughs) oh my gosh and as I look at the time we are coming to a close what a beautiful discussion on sex education what it is it's so much more I think than anybody realizes it's huge and And there's so much more we didn't even cover oh I know yeah I'll put some links um in the podcast in the details um, for people to go to websites for information. Um, so yeah, so I just want to say to all the listeners out there, thanks for joining Marcy and I today. And you can change the world tomorrow when you start by listening today. So have a beautiful day, everyone. Until next time. Well, we made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to thank VOCA for funding our podcast. VOCA stands for Victims of Crime Act. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020 Green River 00026, awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the United States Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this publication, program, exhibition are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. We also want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Seth Hedges of Uriah Wild Media. He is the amazing individual who created the beautiful music for our podcast. We thank you so much, Seth. I'm going to encourage you to go check out his stuff. He's pretty talented and awesome. You can find him at www.uriahwild.com That's www.uriahwilde.com And finally, we want to give a really special shout out to Rodney Newton for being our amazing technical advisor. He has spent several Saturdays and days throughout the week to help us get this podcast up and going. Rodney, you are our captain. And finally, we hope that you'll take something you heard today and change the world tomorrow. Join us next time on Start By Listening. And as always, please remember that New Beginnings is here for you to listen or help 24 hours a day. Just give us a call, 1-800-226-7273.